Section 15 of A Life's Morning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Laura. A Life's Morning by George Gissing. Section 15, Chapter 11, Part 1. Emily's Decision. Emily reached home a few minutes before dinner time. Her mother came to her from the back of the house, where things were in a Saturday tumult, speaking with a voice of fretful satisfaction. I'd just given up on you, and I was wondering whether to let the meat spoil or to begin dinner alone. I'm sorry to be late, mother. No, you're not late, my dear, the mother admitted. It's only that you're a little uncertain, and when one o'clock draws on, I can never be quite sure of you if you're out. I must say I like punctuality, though I dare say it's an old-fashioned kind of thing. Which would you like? Potatoes baked or boiled? I've got both, as I always think the baked keep better for your father. Whichever you have yourself, mother. Now, child, do make a choice, as if you couldn't say which you would prefer. Boiled. There, now. You say that because you think there won't be enough of the others. I know very well you always like the baked when I have them. Don't you now, Emily? Mother, whichever you like. What does it matter? Well, my dear, I'm sure I only wanted to please you, said Mrs. Hood, in her tone of patience under injury. I can't see why you should be angry with me. If I could give you more choice, I would. No doubt you're used to having potatoes done in all sorts of superior ways, but unfortunately I wasn't brought up as a cook. The strange look with which Emily was regarding her brought her to a pause. Her voice dropped. "'Mother, dear,' said the girl, in a low and shaken tone, "'I am neither foolish nor unkind. Do try to believe that. Something is troubling me. Today let your choice be mine.' mrs hood moved away and served dinner in silence what is your trouble my dear she asked presently can't you tell me emily shook her head her mother relapsed into thoughtfulness and they finished their meal with little conversation mrs hood was just rising from the table when there was a sound of someone opening the gate before the house she looked to the window and at once uttered an exclamation of astonishment well if that isn't he hasn't altered a bit all these years who is it mother emily asked nervously why my dear it's that man cheese man the very idea of his coming here now mark my words he's come to ask for that money back again or for some of it at all events it was just showing off pretending to pay it back exactly like him but if your father's foolish enough to do anything of the kind there he's knocking i hoped never to see his face again as long as i lived however he can have the imprudence to come i suppose i must let him in but i'm sure i shan't offer him any dinner emily had risen from her chair and was trembling with excitement oh yes mother she cried with the joy which astonished mrs hood we must behave kindly to him he paid father the money we must remember that well you'll see if i'm not right but i can't keep him standing at the door do untie this apron emily i'm so nervous i can't get at the knot see now if he hasn't come for the money back again never mind he paid it he paid it 
i can't understand you child what is there to be so pleased about mother do go to the door or shall i the girl was overcome with a sudden light in utter darkness she grasped at her mother's explanation of the visitor's arrival unable in her ardour to calculate probabilities to review details dagworthy had been guilty of a base falsehood the man approached who could assure her of it it was a plot deeply planned in some manner dagworthy had learned what had happened to her father in hebsworth and had risked everything on the terror he could inspire in her the coming of her father's friend was salvation she found herself clasping his hand warmly well miss hood cheeseman came in exclaiming you may perhaps have half a recollection of me when you're told who i am but i'm quite sure i shouldn't have known you your father was telling me about you yesterday rare and proud he was to speak of you too and not without reason i see mrs hood you've no need to complain of your fortune times have been hard no doubt but they've brought you a blessing if i had a young lady such as this to look at me and call me father well well it won't do to think of it in spite of her determination mrs hood was mollified into an offer of dinner mr cheeseman affected to refuse but at a word from emily he allowed himself to be persuaded the two sat with him and listened to his talk of bygoing days emily's face was flushed she kept her eyes on cheeseman as if his arrival were that of a long-hoped-for friend the visitor abounded in compliments to mother and daughter alike he ate the while with extreme heartiness and at length drew from the table in the most effusive mood mrs hood he said leaning forward i owe you an apology many apologies you and your good husband in times long past did me a service of a very substantial kind you thought i had forgotten it yes you couldn't help but think it oh we won't talk about that mr cheeseman interposed mrs hood not without a suggestion in her tone that she had indeed entertained the thought attributed to her ah but i can't help speaking of it said cheeseman feelingly mrs hood you probably don't know what i refer to you were a very little lady in those days they were hard times with me indeed i've never known anything else i was saying to your good father yesterday that he could no longer talk of his ill luck many a day he and i have encouraged each other to face fortune but that's all over for him he's got his foot on firm ground thank heaven i'm still catching at straws you see i dare say it's a good deal of my own fault and then i never had a good wife to look after me and a daughter growing up to teach me prudence well but miss hood i was saying that your father did me a great service he lent me what was a large sum for him in those days not a little one even in these mr cheeseman remarked mrs hood well well but in those times it was a thing few men in his position would have done he lent me a ten-pound note miss hood and it's right you should know it years have gone by years and any one would think i'd kept out of the way to avoid paying the money back i assure you mrs hood and you miss hood i give my solemn word of honour that i've never from that day to this had more money than would just keep me in bread and cheese and such poor clothing as you see on me 
why even yesterday as no doubt your good father has told you i had but a sixpenny piece in the world but one coin of sixpence but one sixpence had i and but for my old friend i should have been hard driven to find a place of rest last night now do i look and speak like an ungrateful man mrs hood i've come here this day because i felt in duty bound to call on you being so near i didn't know your address till that meeting by chance yesterday when my old friend left me i got restless i felt i must see you all again before i went south as i hope to do to-morrow perhaps i felt i must clear myself from the charge of ingratitude i couldn't live easy under it it was too much like a piece of dishonesty and that i've never yet been guilty of for all i've gone through and please god never shall my old friend hood and i in days before he had the happiness to meet you mrs hood we used to say to each other let luck do its worst we'll live and die honest men and thank heaven we've kept our word for an honester man than james hood doesn't walk the earth and no one ever yet brought a true charge of dishonesty against alfred cheeseman he looked from mother to daughter the former sat in helpless astonishment gazing about her emily had hardened her face you find it a sad tale cheeseman proceeded why so it is dear ladies if ever i had owned a ten-pound note over and above the price of a loaf of bread and a night's lodging it should have been put aside with the name of james hood written on the back of it and somehow i'd have found him out and i say the same thing now don't think mrs hood that i'm pleading my poverty as a way of asking you to forgive the debt the debt shall be paid be assured of that if i can only get to london there is a prospect before me i have a project which i explained to my old friend yesterday you shall have the money and what's more you shall have interest four per cent per annum oh yes you shall only let me somehow get to london the gate sounded again emily exclaimed mrs hood there's your father she was pale and the hand with which she pointed could not steady itself mother said the girl just above her breath he's coming in mrs hood rose and left the room cheeseman could not but observe that some strange agitation possessed them both possibly he explained it by the light of his own conscience he sat smiling at emily rather uneasily then seeing that there was likely to be a delay before hood entered he bent forward to speak confidentially miss hood i see it in your face you're as kind and warm-hearted as your father is and that's saying much you won't think hardly of a poor fellow who oftener misses a dinner than gets one every word i said to you is as true as the light of heaven and my only chance is to get to london i'd made an invention and i feel sure i know the man will buy it of me it took my last farthing to get to hebsworth you don't think hardly of me i don't drink on my word i don't it's sheer hard luck ah if i had a home like this it would be like living in the garden of eden well well the door opened and hood came in followed by his wife he was laughing laughing loudly 
the voice was so unlike his that this alone would have caused emily to gaze at him in astonishment so you looked us up he exclaimed holding out his hand why you couldn't have done better i was sorry afterwards i hadn't asked you my wife tells me you've had dinner you won't mind sitting by whilst i eat and what do you think of emily eh grown a little since you saw her last ha <laughs> ha so you've made up your mind to go to london emily had dinner why of course you have i was forgetting baked potatoes remember my old weakness for them baked cheesemen we used to buy em in the street at night halfpenny apiece eh old man with one arm remember we used to hear him coming when he was half a mile off what a voice and the man who sold peas remember him a lot a lot we were lads then eh cheesemen emily just a mouthful with butter let me tempt you no what train did you come by he talked ceaselessly there was a spot of red in the middle of each of his sallow cheeks and his eyes gleamed with excitement on leaving the mill a sudden thirst came upon him and he had quenched it with a glass of spirits at the first public-house he passed perhaps that had some part in his elation emily almost immediately withdrew and went up to her bedroom here she sat alone for more than an hour in fear lest her mother should come to the door then she heard of the gate open and looking from the window saw her father and his friend pass into the road and walk away together the former still talking in an excited way a minute or two later came the knock which she dreaded she opened the door and her mother entered emily did you ever know your father so strange mrs hood asked in a tone of genuine alarm she had sunk upon a chair and looked the girl as if overcome with physical weakness what can it all mean when i asked him why he had told that story about the money he only laughed said it was a joke and he'd explain it all before long i can't think where the money came from and now he's gone to pay that man's fare to london and no doubt to lend him more money too emily made no reply she stood near the window and looked out at the clouds which were breaking after a brief shower wherever the money may have come from pursued her mother it's cruel that it should go in this way we never wanted it worse than we do now it's my belief he's borrowed it himself and a nice thing to borrow for one's own needs and then throw it away on such a good-for-nothing as that emily turned and put a question quietly are you in more than usual need of money well my dear you know i always try to say as little about such things as i can but now your father's been and borrowed as of course he must have done there's no choice but to tell you the house at barnhill's going to be empty at the end of the quarter and our rent here's going to be raised and all things coming together we've had a good deal to make us anxious it's just like your father wanting to make me believe that things are better than they really are it always was his way and what's the good of it i could never see of course he means it well but he'd far better have been opened about it and have told me what he was going to do emily was shaken with agitation 
mother she exclaimed why have you both insisted on keeping silence before me about your difficulties there was no kindness in it you have done me the cruelest wrong had i not money in plenty beyond what i needed what if the future be uncertain has not the present its claims and can your needs be separated from mine because you have succeeded in keeping me apart from the troubles of your life you you and father have thought you have done a praiseworthy thing it is not bad enough that one human being should be indifferent to the wants of another just because they call each other strangers was it right to bring such hateful spirit of independence into a home between parents and child if the world is base and unjust is that not a reason more why we should draw ever more closely to each other and be to each other all that our powers allows independent because i earned money and could support myself you have told me i must be independent and leave you the same that is the lesson that life has taught you it is well to have understanding for lessons of a deeper kind well my child protested the mother to whom the general tenor of such reasoning was well nigh as dark as its special application we have always felt we were doing our duty to you at your age it is only right you should have your money for yourself who knows when you may want it i don't think you should be angry with us just because we felt we'd rather put up with a little hardship now and then than have you feel some day we'd been a burden on you i haven't complained and i'm not complaining now i'm sorry i came to speak to you about such a thing it seems as if you could never take a thing as i mean it it's like the potatoes at dinner i meant to do you a kindness by giving you the choice and you flew out as if you hadn't patience with me emily kept her eyes upon the window how can you say went on mrs hood that we've been cruel to you and done you a wrong i know we've very different ways of looking at most things but where we've wronged you is more than i can understand you have taken from me replied emily without moving her eyes the power to help you i might have done much now i can do nothing and your loss is mine no indeed it isn't and shan't be emily your father and i have always said that one thing that you shouldn't suffer by us what did your father always say years ago emily he said shall have a good education however we stint ourselves then when she grows up she'll always be able to keep herself from want and our poverty won't matter to her and in that at all events he was right and it's come about as he said no emily we're not going to be a burden to you so don't fear it mother will you let me by myself a little i will come down to you presently aren't you well my dear the mother asked with a mixture of offended reserve an anxiety occasioned by the girl's voice and aspect i have a headache i will rest till tea-time mrs hood had for a long time been unused to tend emily with motherly offices like her husband she was not seldom impressed with awe of this nature so apart from her own that feeling possessed her now before emily's last words she moved away in silence and closed the door behind her gently the irony of fate coming out so bitterly in all that her mother had said was like a cold hand on emily's heart 
she sat again in the chair from which she had risen and let her head lie back her vitality was at a low ebb the movement of indignation against the cruelty which was wrecking her life had passed and left behind a weary indifference happily she need not think yet there was still some hours of respite before her there was the night to give her strength the daylight was a burden it must be borne with what patience she could summon but she longed for the time of sacred silence to a spirit capable of high exaltations the hour of lassitude is the foretaste of the impotence of death to see a purpose in the cold light of intellectual conviction and to lack the inspiring fervour which can glorify a struggle with the obstacles nature will interpose is to realise intensely the rugged baldness of life stripped of illusion life as we shall see it when the end approaches and the only voice that convinces tells us that all is vanity it is the mood known by the artist when viewing the work complete within his mind his heart lacks its joy and his hand is cold to execute self-consciousness makes of life itself a work of art there are the blessed moments when ardor rises in pursuit of the ideal when it is a supreme bliss to strive and overcome and there are the times of aching languor when the conception is still clear in every line but the soul asks wearily to what end in emily it was the reaction after the eagerness of her sudden unreasoning hope body and mind suffered beneath the burden of dull misery motives seemed weak effort was weary and unprofitable life unutterably mean it could scarcely be called suffering to feel thus she was roused by voices below and immediately after her mother came to her door again isn't it vexatious mrs hood whispered there are jessie and geraldine i'm obliged to ask them to stay for tea do you feel well enough to come down End of section 15 chapter 11 part 1